Welcome, Thought Leaders. I'm Beck Sands. I'm Andres Lopez Varela, and you're listening to the Thought Leader Show. If you're an ambitious professional, exec, CEO, or business owner looking to grow your personal brand and become a thought leader, you're in the right place. We'll bring you inspiring chats with people who use their personal brand to create successful careers or businesses and become thought leaders in their field. We'll also talk through some of the practical steps and must-dos that you can action to build your own personal brand. And this is what we're most excited about. You're going to see how being a thought leader gives you the opportunity to help others and support people to realize their goals. A personal brand might sound self-serving, but we're here to show you how it can actually have a positive impact on you, your community, and who knows, maybe even the world. Welcome, Thought Leaders. We are so excited to have you here for another episode of The Thought Leader Show. Yay! In this episode, we are interviewing uh, Siganda Chapman, or uh, Sig, as she is called for short, and she's an incredible expert uh, in the diversity, equity, and inclusion industry. And uh, yeah, we're going to chat with her about how she built her personal brand uh, and how she essentially uses her personal brand to provide value and to share on a topic that she is so, so passionate about. She is uh, very much a leading voice uh, when it comes to uh, gender and racial equity, uh, especially in sectors um, where uh, minorities are often underrepresented, like in in, um, in the tech sector and in STEM. Uh, and she also speaks regularly on these topics to to um, you know uh, businesses, both in her consulting work, but also uh, from a personal brand thought leadership point of view more broadly in the community. And also, one of the really interesting things is that um, see has been on this uh, journey uh, of discovering her own neurodiversity over the last couple of years. Um, and if you've seen any of her stuff on social media and LinkedIn in particular, which is her favorite uh, channel, she's really, um, you know, sort of infused her personal brand in such a warm and honest and genuine and emotive way with her own journey um, around neurodiversity. And so, um, you know, I'm sure she'll share some of that in our conversation. Uh, and she's, uh, she, you know, um, um, very, very sort of, uh, sort of, you know, magnetic personality, I guess, around that stuff too. So um, we're very excited to have her on the on the show. She is a senior manager of Client Delivered Inkling Group, uh, and she works with um, global brands and leaders of brands to give them strategic advice uh, and and leadership development programs that help their businesses and their teams uh, embed, um, you know, sort of great practices and rituals and processes around diversity, equity, and inclusion in their business. So we're, very, we're excited for this conversation, right? So excited. We can't wait to dive into it. All right, Thought Leaders, turn the volume up and get ready to welcome Suganda Chapman to the Thought Leader Show. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And Suganda, uh, you go by SIG. So if anyone hears the word SIG, we're talking about you today. Yeah, absolutely. It goes from Suganda to SIG really quickly. So yeah. I'm really happy to be called SIG. So yeah, SIG for everyone at home. Thank you, Sig, for joining us. Let's start with the first question we always like to ask uh, our guests. 
And that is, how would you describe your personal brand in a sentence? Or a couple of sentences, okay. A couple of sentences, it probably will be. And it's such a great question. And I think that when I think about my personal brand, um, the word I would describe it is evolving. Um, and I and I say that because it's taken me a little bit to actually figure out who the person I was. I'm not the same person I was when I first started my career and I'm probably not going to be that same person maybe in a year or two years time. Um, but, you know, what I what I would say is that, you know, as a first generation Australian Indian, I am the product of two cultures melded into one. And so my parents have always told me I've had this kind of innate desire to help people and being an activist, a creative thinker, um, a champion for the underdog, which is kind of embarrassing to say, but um, really proactive <laughs> in that space. And so what I would say my personal brand is, it's a culmination of all of these identities and the intersection of what that looks like um, and all of these lived experiences. So if I was to say in a few sentences, I'm a multi-passionate thought leader, keynote speaker and diversity, equity and inclusion strategist. And I partner with leaders globally through strategic advisory services and evidence-based leadership programs um, to really drive systemic and sustainable change towards diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, but I'm also a mum. I've got two kids, a couple of fair kids. I am someone that has ADHD. I like memes and gifts and storytelling, and I don't take myself too seriously, even through the work that I do. So when DEI can get exhausting, it really does help to have a bit of a sense of humour, I think. It can be a pretty intense, uh, you know, line of work, I imagine. So a, a, a sense of humor, I'm sure, comes in very handy. Yes. <laughs> I love so much, Sig. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love what you said about your personal brand evolving because I really do think that, um, it, you know, it's not a one and done approach. I really do think that um, we need to think about all of our personal brands as evolving over time and growing over time as we change and shift and grow. And I think like, you know, throughout our careers, we might want to make changes and our personal brand can go on that kind of journey with us to support us. Um, you know, it's not like the connections that you make in one field, they don't, you know, even if you make a change in your career, like you still got those connections and they can still support you and you still got that kind of reputation. So I love so much um, what you shared about the evolving personal brand. I think that's definitely something that um, our listeners can take inspiration from for sure. <laughs> um, what are some of the deliberate steps that you have taken to grow your personal brand? Yeah, I guess it's a that's another great question. And, you know, if I just reflect back from what you just um, said there as well is, you know, when we when we think about the evolution of personal brand, and, and this is a strategy that I guess I didn't intentionally go out to create, but I was like, this is me because I have been so multi-passionate and I want to do all of the things, but uh, essentially what I have been doing in my career is what they call now a portfolio career. So I do all the things, you know, consulting, coaching, uh, volunteering, uh, mentoring, running my own business, all of that. So in terms of the steps that I've taken to build my personal brand, it's been um, probably a few things that I would say um, work across the different things that I do. And so a lot of it's around the thought leadership and the content creation. You know, what is the message that I actually want to share out to the world, um, depending on the audience that I'm, I'm talking to? Um, more than that, I think it's also been about building those relationships and connections because 
um, of the fact that I have so many parts of my career that I get a chance to meet so many different people as well. So those relationships and connections have been a really big part of building my um, personal brand. And I think also in the work that I do, and I guess the mindset that I take from that is really just being of service. And what that means for me is, you know, I do a lot of volunteering and mentoring, um, you know, unpaid work in that sense, but also um, from a personal branding perspective, it's supporting others who are also in my industry through, you know, cheering on their posts or amplifying their voices and really just having that at the center of what I do. Um, and then finally, what I say has been probably the most impactful part of being able to build my personal brand is being able to just invest in myself, both personally and professionally as well. So important. So important to do that, you know, because I think sometimes we get to a point where we're like, oh, we're so busy with the work and the doing. Uh, and, and we sort of think that we interpret busyness as, as kind of growth and progress, but uh, it's not always the, the way. Um, and so the investment is uh, is important. It's important because we have to keep growing. And then if we keep growing, then we keep evolving and we can offer more stuff to, to those communities that we sort of are, are kind of working with as well. But also, I'm just going to comment on the fact that your, you know, your personal brand and your personal brand activities are actually in service. And I really feel like that is a key part of it, right? Because, you know, there is a misconception that personal brands can be self-serving. And of course, they do self-serve in a way, like they help people build careers, they help people build businesses, they help you land clients, they help you land jobs. But essentially, what we're doing with a personal brand is we're providing value to others, we're giving, we're being of service where, um, you know, sharing our knowledge, sharing our expertise, uh, you know, it's, it's really that like service based attitude, I think that makes a successful personal brand. Do you guys, do you guys agree? Yeah, for sure. And I think that, um, you know, when we think about everything that we do, I mean, the industry can feel really saturated wherever we are and it's really hard to understand how our voice can fit in. And I think one of the things that I um, really took on board when I started uh, really intentionally thinking about my personal brand was not necessarily having to be the expert, but how can I contribute to the conversation? Um, because especially when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, I'm coming at, from it with my own lens, my own lived experiences, my own knowledge. And it's not always the right way. There are so many nuances to that kind of work, even leadership, right? You know, everyone's got their own version of leadership, what it means to them, their own style. So for me, it's about taking what maybe a current issue is or an opinion that I have and what can I actually add to the conversation that is going to be of value to other people, but not necessarily positioning myself as the expert that knows everything in that and so yes. that that being of service um mindset really helps with that as well yeah yeah i think it's a really good point Sig, because like um understanding that your perspective is unique and then that's kind of you know interest apply you know kind of attract some people but not everyone is is an important kind of lesson i think um particularly when people are starting out they feel like everybody's got to like them and everybody's got to agree with them and they have to you know have this kind of universal appeal and and actually you end up being a little bit more vanilla that way and maybe even appealing to to less people and helping less people because of that and so really sort of focusing and owning what you are and and your opinion is is a i think it's one of the one of the most important valuable lessons that you can learn as a as a thought leader as you kind of grow in that space 
I also think, I feel like I, I do talk about, you know, sharing your expertise a lot. And I think that that can actually be misleading and scare people off because they can be like, oh, I'm not an expert, you know, but it's like, actually, like, it's not necessarily expertise. Like you can be an expert in it. Like I would say you are an expert in the DEI space, Sig, but it's like, it's not necessarily thinking of it like that. It's thinking of, because there's no one way to do things, right? So it is sharing your lens. It is sharing your experience. It's sharing your viewpoint. It's sharing like, you know, from your perspective and your lived experience. And so it's not like, you know, there's one way and you're sharing that one way, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess that's also <laughs> where I, I, um, my mindset uh, flip-flops between because I'm both a, cult, a coach and a consultant. And so my coaching mindset is very much about, okay, asking really good questions to help people find the answers. And so I take that mindset of, you know, let's hear from you. I'd love to hear what you think about this particular issue. And then my consulting mindset is like, look, this is what I've experienced. This is how I know it works. This is what some, you know, this is what you can consider, particularly when I'm maybe um, targeting more and more of my thought leadership towards, say, executives and leaders who are really on the journey when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion. And a lot of them have really great intentions, and but it's really around where do I start? What do I do? I know I want to do something in this space. We just need some guidance. And so that consulting sort of expertise comes into um, into that, into that sort of thought leadership and content creation. And then I might flip flop into the, the coaching where I'm really interested to hear, you know, this has been my experience. I'd love to hear from you. You know, what have you also experienced working in an environment like this? What do you believe psychological safety is? Where have you experienced not having psychological safety and how did that make you feel? Um, and those types of questions actually really, um, I think that's probably where a lot of the gold is, especially on social media, as you can and imagine on platforms like LinkedIn, where those conversations is where the richness lies and that what creates those connections and relationship building um, as well. So it's not super intentional in that way, but I do find it a really effective strategy to build personal branding because out of those conversations, um, I tend to make a lot of really great connections out of them to continue that conversation either through messaging or offline or even um, leading to really some really great opportunities um, for speaking or, or work as well. Yeah, I bet. And I bet also that then um, some, some of those things are, you know, uh, deliberate, but some of them must might be, you know, quite serendipitous. Um, and in some ways, the serendipitous ones, you know, might be the most rewarding. Um but in terms of how you've sort of used those tools and use those um those 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 approaches to build uh, your personal brand, how has that kind of translated into helping your career? Uh, and what would you say have been sort of um the the most valuable outputs that you personally have gotten for your career and your professional development because of those um steps to build your personal brand? Yeah, um, um, another great question. And I think it, it just comes back to um, that creating connections and relationship building um, purpose because, you know, um, even when I'm not necessarily putting out content or, you know, thought leadership work, um, I also very intentionally go out and seek the people who are also contributing in that space and I'll comment and I will add my thoughts onto what they might have written yes, as well. And yeah. so what that does is it actually um, it, it brings visibility to me and the work that I'm doing. And often, like I said, it means that the conversation starts to 
come off a, a you know a comment thread on LinkedIn and yeah, maybe yeah. into the messages and we can start to work together that way. Um, and so some really like um, clear examples of how that's helped me in my career is it's led to some really great um, uh, like speak, paid speaking opportunities um, in the work that I do, particularly around for say women in STEM or working in the um, tech and startup uh, entrepreneurial space as well. Those connections have been um, really helpful for me because they've recommended me to do you know, freelancing work and um, working on really interesting projects as well. Um, so, you know, that kind of word of mouth referral because of those connections um, has helped me there too. When it comes to my own work, what I'm doing at the moment, what that's also meant is that, you know, that visibility piece has meant that the right people start seeing and the, um, I guess, the questions that I ask and the insight that I have. And then they'll go and they'll go, oh, where does Sig work? And they're like, oh, she works here. I'd really like to see more what they do. Yeah. Um, and I've gotten some great leads that way around, you know, I saw your um, post on LinkedIn around um, neurodiversity, for example, and yes. we're actually thinking about how we can better support our neurodiverse employees. Is this something that you do um, and can we have a chat? Mm. And so that's led to some really great opportunities that way as well. Um, but personally, I think it's also around, you know, outside of the work that I do in my, you know, my, my paid sort of job for me, it's really then about how do I, um, amplify my voice where often, you know, people who look like me or, um, have the things to say that I have to say aren't necessarily heard. And how can I start to give that back to others who are also speaking in the space and helping to amplify their voices so you can spotlight the work that they're doing? Um, we know in the diversity, equity, inclusion space, like it's it's such a big, it's such a big challenge. And so there's not one person or company or mindset that can solve that. You need everyone in their own spaces to be able to come together and work towards that kind of shared vision around creating environments in society where everyone can be um, thriving and feel like they belong. I love that so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like that is so absolutely needed. So the work that you do is amazing. Um, I'm going to ask, what does thought leadership mean to you? Yeah, um, I think for me, thought leadership is, I think what we touched uh, a little bit before is around owning your opinions of authority. And that's something I teach in, um, you know, the leadership work that I do, particularly for female leaders, when they're also thinking about how do we start building our personal branding within the organizations that they are in? How do we start to build visibility as well? So thought leadership for me is, you know, that being able to contribute with a point of view, not necessarily being that expert, as I said, and it's about what you think backed up by your experience and your expertise, whether that's through the work that you've done or whether you have, you know, actual knowledge in a particular um, area, for example. I think it's also about visibility and having conversations openly about a lot of topics that sometimes are really uncomfortable to have or sharing a perspective that perhaps has been overlooked, but maybe adding another dimension uh, to that. And for me, I think it's also about, you know, where can you find the value and in what you have to say 
and sharing that message out to the world in a way that may be a little bit different or unique to what everyone else is saying as well. Um, and that that is where I think is is where a lot of the gold is because often you can still see people saying very similar things, but when you actually can find your own unique perspective on a particular topic, that's what the thought leadership starts to be created from. Um, yeah. The, the, the point you make about contribution and visibility, I think, is really important. Thing. I, I think you've really like articulated that in a way that that makes so much sense. Right? That it's about not necessarily being, you know, even though we say thought leader, quote unquote, actually, it's not necessarily about being the leader. It's about being a leader in contributing to that conversation. And particularly to your point, elevating voices, elevating perspectives, elevating, um, you know, topics that maybe uh, haven't had the airtime that they deserve, but then also um, uh the sort of symbiotic relationship between that and visibility and how important visibility is in order for you to make a positive contribution. And I think that sometimes we think that, oh, I just need to say this thing at this time in the right place, in the right way. But actually, no, the truth is you need to be saying it multiple times over and over in different places, in different ways, because that's the way that those important perspectives and those important voices are elevated. So that combination, that symbiotic relationship between contribution and visibility is really, really critical for thought leaders, huh? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, if you think about what that then ultimately leads to, which hopefully is influence, right? Which is the ability to help people take action or yeah, make an impact an outcome and make an impact. So, you know, that contribution and visibility piece then can lead to being able to influence in the way that you want people to as well. So yeah, that's where I see it going. But I think, I think I love what you said about owning your unique opinion, because I really feel like that is the key piece. That's the platform. That's, you know, that is the foundation that you really need to be a thought leader, Um, whether that's like in the public arena or a thought leader, just with your, you know, your clients and your, in your community. Um, I really feel like owning your opinion, that is the key piece. And it really does take, um, it kind of takes like building that kind of confidence and building that self-worth that yes, I have something important to share. I, you know, my opinion is worth listening to and I'm going to share my opinion. And it's almost like no one else can give that to you. You have to give yourself permission to do that. Do you feel like that too? I agree. Look, you know, owning your opinions of authority is, it takes courage and confidence and yes. um, it, which is why, you know, you see a lot of people not doing it, right? Because there, there's a lot of fear around what do people think and that internal narrative that goes into your head around, you know, how do, what do I have to say that's actually going to be different or unique or, you know, can I, do I actually have anything else to add to this conversation as well? So all of those stories um, can absolutely be barriers in order to own those opinions of authority. So I do think it takes a bit of courage and confidence. But what we also know about confidence is, I don't know if you've ever heard of the confidence competence loop, um, but essentially what that means is that, you know, it, it's a bit of a cycle. It's that in order to feel confident, we feel like we have to be good at something. But in order to actually get good at something, we have to have the confidence in order to try. So we get stuck in this this loop, right? And so I think from that, what we can take is that we have to have the courage to start 
And then from that, be able to try different things, take that entrepreneurial mindset, see what worked, see what didn't. What were the things people responded to? What were the things you felt really good about saying despite people responding to that? And that's how you start to build that competence and that muscle and mindset around, okay, I'm still sharing what I need to share. And I know that I have something important to share and people are slowly starting to hear that and build my visibility from that as well. So, so good. So, so good. Completely agree. I was thinking about that, um, uh, that confidence, confidence loop, and I I don't want to go too much of a tangent, but I I think um, it's important to consider that in the context of when you're selecting um, a topic or a subject matter or like a, a thing stuff to talk about and to be an expert on based on your experience. Because I think one of the greatest challenges that sometimes we have is what can I, what can I say? What can I talk about? That's, you know, that's credible for me, you know, because I think that's really a key around thought leadership is credibility. And so I think it's a big question uh, to kind of answer. What can I talk about? What do I feel a confident man be competent? in um and so what's your perspective on that in terms of when you're selecting a topic something you both feel passionate about but something you feel like you have an opinion of authority on um like how do you how do you sort of you know walk that line between the confidence and the competence uh, and what's been your experience in sort of um you know combining those different streams of your identity and experience to find that uniquely sig thing and way of of um you know sharing those opinions yeah and again another great question and i think if i think about this question you know i take it back to what i first said about my personal brand that it's it's evolving and so what that means for me as I'm walking this line, I guess, between confidence and competence, I think the thing that probably haven't maybe mentioned from this is the immense importance on being authentic and having vulnerability in what we share. Yeah, and so for so me, true. that also means is I'm not going to be confident as I'm sharing this or I may not have all the expertise in the topic that I'm talking about. And I use that authenticity piece to go, actually, I don't really know much about this topic, but this is something that's important to me. Um, This is what I think. I'm really open to hearing other opinions around this. And it goes back to that, you know, I, this is usually when I'm not feeling so confident or competent around a particular topic, this is where I will intentionally invite um, people to share back their experiences and to come back and and help me form um, an opinion really around this. And this is, I think, this is where you can start to use that vulnerability and authenticity to start conversations And I think that has a bigger impact really rather than, you know, how confident you are about a particular topic or how much you know about a topic. So for me, really, you know, um, if I think about particularly on the content I've been sharing recently, so um, I mentioned I have ADHD. So I was late diagnosed last year. So it was a journey that I've been on for a number of years just before COVID hit something I've had all my life and didn't realize that I had until, you know, the, the signs started pointing towards, hmm, it could be a little bit more beyond 
what I thought was just, you know, parts of my personality, really. And that journey has been really interesting because there seems to be a really a big awakening, particularly of women in their sort of late 30s, early 40s that are also feeling like they've, they've just found this out about themselves because the science has caught up for how ADHD presents in girls and women. So what we thought was just we were really, you know, scattered and ditzy and dreamy and chaotic is actually now um, there's a reason for it. So what that means is I've been sharing that part of my journey with others on publicly because I'm like, I'm figuring this out for myself because um, the biggest part for that has been understanding and really trying to unlearn or learn more about myself. What, who am I and what are just what I've realized a collection of symptoms of a disorder that I have. So if I didn't have this ADHD, who am I? Which is hard because I've always it's been tough. the multi-passionate a- one. I've always been the the scattered, crazy, impulsive one. And to not have that as part of my identity and realize that there's a reason for that um, has meant that I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, who am I? What is my purpose <laughs> in this world? And that experience that I'm going through combined with how that has meant I show up at work, for example, the environment that has allowed me to thrive and be authentic at work as I am processing this journey for myself. The accommodations organizations can consider when they've got neurodiverse employees in their organization. That is what I talk about because I'm like, I'm going through this. This is what has helped me in my journey, which is an inclusive culture, which is having managers and um, leaders in my organization's role model values in a way that is, um, which is really authentic and actually genuine. It's actually uh, understanding that I don't have to do it all and I can work towards my strengths and the things that I've never been great at, which is, you know, time blindness and prioritization and all those things. I've got people that can support me to do that. So that's what I talk about. And what that's meant is that that's opened up the conversation. It's like, oh, how do I do this for those that might be my organization? In, in fact, you know, the stats are around 30 to 40% of Australians probably have ADHD. They're just not diagnosed. So you probably know someone or maybe yourself might have this mm. and you just haven't realized it. So as they're going through their journey, what can you do to support them as they start to unpack this for themselves? So, so yeah. Have, have you, Sig, have you found that sharing your story and being vulnerable, has that like helped with people connecting with you? Like when you're building your personal brand, like sharing that kind of unique human side of you? Yes. Absolutely. They are the posts that get the most traction more than me just ranting on about something that I'm maybe really passionate about, which might be. But how fun are the rants though, right? The rants are (laughs) They are. They're super fun. They're they're for us. Different audience, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's the pictures, you know, it's the post that I have a picture of me, for example, like my face in it, or it's this post where I am vulnerable and I'm sharing like, Hey, this is me. This is what I, what I'm going through. This is what I'm doing. 
I always try and link it back to you know, something a little bit relevant in my industry and in my messaging to do that. So it doesn't end up being like a very public diary, for example, but I do find that those posts are the ones that actually start to create the more um, genuine connections because I get a ton of comments. I get a ton of messages about thank you for sharing or I hadn't thought about that. And that's also led to uh, interesting opportunities for me to continue to speak up about my experiences in other forums, for example. Um, So, yes, I do think it's definitely helped in order to um, create connection with my audience um, as I build my personal brand. And did you have to kind of work up to that in terms of like building the confidence, I guess, to because we were talking about the confidence piece before and like what are some of the ways that you've been able to build your confidence to to share publicly, not just about your topic, um, like not just about DEI, but also about, you know, your stories and, and your vulnerability? Oh, such a great question. I think all the good questions today. I think <laughs> that it's a work in progress. I honestly, that is my honest answer here it's still a work in progress I still get terrified posting about myself I am more likely to be confident about posting about um supporting other people and a a cause that I'm really passionate about than posting about myself because it's so so much easier so much easier right so that confidence piece has been around okay understanding that people have very short attention spans. So if I put something out there, like likely within a week, they've already forgotten about what I've said. So, (laughs) which is okay, right? You put something out there. I mean, I know they say everything on the internet's forever, but like realistically, people aren't going to remember everything that you put out. Um, So that helps uh, going, all right, you know, I put something out, got crickets or, you know, I share something really vulnerable and, you know, I've got, like everyone's now, I feel like everyone's looking at me in a week's time. They've moved on to something else. I, think <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. uh, coming from someone who has ADHD, I know short attention spans. So like <laughs> I lean into that completely. I'm like, I'm already onto something else. Right? Yeah, how comforting, how comforting. Yeah, very comforting. Secondly, I think that um, part of it is the more that I can lean into this discomfort And, you know, in the work that I do, we talk about um, leaning into the ring of fire, essentially, which is around um, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, because that is where growth happens. And I'm someone that is always wanting to grow and improve myself. And even if that is uncomfortable for me. So I do tend to push myself to try and do that a little bit and see what happens because if it works I'm like all right this is this is something I can continue to do so building that growth mindset building that muscle of just continuing to get out of your comfort zone um, has been something a, a way for me to to build up that confidence and I think the the third thing I would say around that is um, actually having people around you that are in your corner you know you've got you've got people who've got yes. your back who who are going to help boost up that confidence for you and and you'll know who they are they're the ones that will always give like a great post or they'll always comment or they'll send you a message or even privately off social media for example but they're the ones that will be encouraging you even when you feel like um you're terrified to do something so having people in your corner I think has also been really important to go should I share this should I not and they're like, go for it. And then they're like, yeah, it was great. That was a really great yeah. post. Yeah. Perfect. 
We're almost out of time, Sig, but before we go, we must, must do the Thought Leader 5, okay? Yes. Here's our yes, five yes. rapid-fire questions we like to round out the interview with. So um, it's not as tense as who wants to be a millionaire, but, uh, you know, the stakes are high. Okay. <laughs> All right. First question, your favorite book or podcast of the moment even? Of the moment. Okay. Uh, I have so many. Um, it's difficult of me to have like 10 books on the go and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Right now, um, books I'm really liking that are probably more work-related. Um, it's a book called Inclusion on Purpose by Rochika Toshian um, or DEI Deconstructed by Lily Zhang. They're fantastic books around um, DEIB in, in the workplace. Um, Tara Moore's uh, playing big for any woman who feels like they're playing small in their life. That really helps with um, the mindset reframes and building confidence. It's a book I always go back to for myself. From a I need to add these to my reading list. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we'll link um, these to the show notes in the show notes. Do please do. And um, podcast wise, um, there's a great podcast called ADHD AF. <laughs> which is ADHD oh, as females, um, but obviously a play on words, which is yeah. such a great insight into two women, um, similar ages who are also going through their journey of ADHD and having great conversations around all the nuances of life that way. Um, and another podcast I really like, which is um, by um, the Harvard Business Review, which is um, Coaching Real Leaders. So from a leadership development perspective, they do um, live coaching sessions in these podcast episodes oh, wow. and you get to really hear how you would coach through this, but if you've got similar challenges, what are some of the things you can do? So that's what I love to do. That's interesting. All right, mm -hmm. second question. What is your favorite thing to do to unwind and relax? Oh, I said this before, I think, but K-dramas. I'm obsessed yes. with K-dramas. So Korean dramas, like there's a ton of Netflix and then I've got mm. my favorites, but K-dramas, my husband and I uh, got hooked into them over lockdown and we haven't stopped. So <laughs> He gets very mad if I watch an episode without him. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's definitely grounds for divorce, obviously. So, <laughs> Okay, your dream travel destination. Let's say you go anywhere, money's no object. Where do you go? Maldives for the relaxing tropical holiday because I'm always needing rest and relaxation. And it's my happy place. That's on my and, list. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then I'd go to Italy. I'd go there just for the culture, the vibe, the food, the gelato, mm. everything. I'm going to eat all Yeah. Okay. And then I'm hoping that then that means uh, you're going to answer this next question the way that I would love to answer it. What do you prefer at the end of a meal, at the end of a, uh, a night, chocolate or cheese? Both. Both. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely both. You've got to choose one, both. Sig. You've got to yes. choose one. Which one would you choose? Which one would you eat uh, first? Nah. No, not going to choose. I'm, I'm going to have both. Like, at the I same have a cake and I eat it too. Yeah, uh, okay. Same time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, probably same time. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, that's yeah. big swing. I like it. <laughs> and finally, what's one golden nugget of advice you would have for our listeners? I think spend the time to get to know who you are and that's whether that's really understanding your strengths, your values, or the things that frustrate you or make you angry about your industry or society or the issues that you care about, that will help you understand your message and how do you want to contribute to the conversation. Um, I also I also think um, saying yes to a lot of things, especially when you're not ready. Um, and then finally, knowing that your voice is important and it's needed. You know, there are so many ways to say the same thing and the way that you say it uh, will be the things that your ideal audience will want to hear. 
So good. Thank you, Sig. Love that so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. We have loved chatting with you today. We can't wait to share this app. Thank you so much for having me. Sig, where can people go to find out more about you and the work you do? Uh, I would say LinkedIn. That's probably the place I'm hanging out. I know it's not very cool, but I do like it. So I'm there <laughs> on LinkedIn. Yeah. Thank you, Sig. We appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for joining us on the show. Uh, Sagana Chapman, we've loved this chat. Thank you. Thank you. interview I feel like uh, she was such great talent and she just really had so many nuggets of wisdom uh, I really found myself really reflecting on a lot of my own personal experiences in that conversation you know I, I really enjoyed the way Sig made it so clear as to you know why thought leadership is important why it's valuable and it kind of you know made me think about how i could improve my own stuff uh and certainly you know it made me understand even better this topic of thought leadership which is you know the whole purpose of this of this show right is what does it mean why is it good you know why do we need it in the world i think she's you know one of the um best examples uh particularly in that very kind of complex messy di space of someone who can explain it in very uh, accessible ways and in, in, in very engaging ways um which i think is really the crux of, of a thought leader so um i agree with you it's so just a really really insightful chat with sig what did you what did you learn most then look i really think she uh, she really clarified um thought leadership and the definition of that i feel like her definition was so crystal clear and it was just really really insightful and on point i feel like her um you know the fact that she was saying thought leadership is really owning your unique opinion on yes, a topic your and opinion I, of authority i thought that was a really good way of putting yeah, it yeah your opinion of of authority on a topic and i was like that's so so true because you know i talk a lot about like owning your expertise and like yes you can be an expert in a certain area but being an expert doesn't mean that you that you know everything it doesn't mean that you've identified the one that's way right, to yeah, do everything yeah. like there's not that one way and i really feel like it, it is an opinion essentially like it's a very educated opinion but expertise at the end of the day really is sharing your opinion oh yeah that's right expertise is is just very refined well-tested opinion over time like i've done this a million times i've seen this a million times and this is actually based on that on that experience and knowledge this is my my you know recommendation or my advice or my sort of point of view as to the best way to do it uh, and that i think is um it's just so simple it's such a simple way of understanding it and, and, and of sort of being able to apply it in your own life and your own work as well and, and i really enjoyed that i think that thought leadership really should be open and exploratory it shouldn't be like here's my thinking and i am just going to put that on everyone or like put it out into the world without any kind of feedback it's like thought leadership should be interactive it, it should yeah, be absolutely. uh engaging dynamic. dynamic uh evolving almost 
It's interesting because as we sort of talk to more and more people, I kind of um, feel like more and more like what I thought thought leadership was, it actually isn't, you know. It, mm. It's not this sort of, you know, um, level of attainment. Like, you know, I, I climb to the top of, of, of the stairs like in Rocky, you know. Like it's actually a continuous journey and that actually the sharing of that journey and the evolution of your knowledge and your opinion, your expertise is really what makes it kind of quite compelling. And I think that really came through with Sig, not just in relation to her um, her work, but also her personal journey uh, with um, ADHD and sort of exploring neurodiversity and what it means to her and sort of adding that layer or lens or, you know, flavor, if you like, to her overall personal brand um, and being really conscious of that because that can add so much value, you know, like those things like there's a million DEI experts, right? But there's only one TI expert with her experience and her neurodiversity um, doing things her way, saying things the way that she is saying them. And that combination, that evolution, I think, particularly in relation to um, how she's exploring her ADHD and what it means for her work um, is super compelling. And I think that no doubt she'd be getting a lot of messages from people on on social media sort of saying, oh, my God, I relate to that. I understand that. That means something to me in a way that perhaps she didn't get before. I so agree. I really think thought leadership, it's not, you know, you never arrive. It's not like, okay, I've learned... Yeah, I've learned all this stuff. Now I'm a thought leader. That's the end. It's like it is a consistently evolving thing that you that you do need to work on and you do need to bring more of yourself into it, I think, for people to be able to relate to you. Um, and I think that is kind of reflecting on it. I really think that's the core difference between building like a corporate profile to building a personal brand yeah, as such. Yeah, thanks. Spot on. Yeah, because I really think that your personal brand, it brings you into it. It brings your unique experiences, whereas a corporate profile is a little bit more like, you know, you're a spokesperson just on behalf of a brand and you don't really bring your own experiences into it as much. And we see this a lot in brands for businesses and corporates and large organizations where there's just very little differentiation in a category, you know, like you, like a lot of insurers speak the same. They use the same kind of language and visuals in their marketing and advertising. And the same can be said for, you know, health and, and, you know, well-being and, and travel and tourism and everything like that. What really makes a difference and makes people go, oh, this is why I want to choose you over another is when they connect with something interest-based that is more emotive for them with that brand. And so the same, because we want to connect with something unique with people. And so whether that's with an individual or with a person or with a actual like, you know, brand brand, then that, that differentiation is really critical. And I think that was one of the strengths of the, the conversation with Sig was understanding that better. I'm going to go so far as to say that I think the corporate profile is somewhat outdated and I think the people that are really standing out these days are the people that are bringing that personal brand to it as well and sharing their own content on their own owned platforms um, to show people a little bit about their human side and a little bit about who they are as people as well as, you know, that kind of corporate profile, that corporate expertise because you're not standing out 
um, as an individual, if you're just sharing, you know, the corporate line, it's like you're, you almost need to bring that human element to it in order for people to know who you are, for people to connect with you, for clients to then say, okay, there's your point of difference. I resonate with your values. I resonate with your message. I resonate with your experience and I resonate with who you are as a person. So therefore I want to work with you. So it's almost like, you need to be able to stand out in, in this kind of current environment. It's almost like you need to um, be known not just for the corporate work and not just for the corporate expertise, but also for who you are as a unique individual. Absolutely. And I think Sig's a really great example. I'm so glad we had an opportunity to chat with her and hopefully everyone enjoyed that conversation too. Loved it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Thought Leader Show. If you enjoyed this chat, we'd love you to share the episode with someone you think might want to hear it and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. For more information about my work, visit vexans.com and connect with me on socials. And you can connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn. See you next time, Thought Leaders. How's your hair today? It's pretty good. I mean, it's a bit sweaty, like, but... Like um, out of 10, out of 10. Uh, 12? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's you every day. I'm no, having like stop. a five. I mean, we can't all achieve greatness every day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>